You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got Mr. Bobby Osinski. Hi, Mike. Hi, guys. Bobby, how you doing? Better than ever. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby, you're so mellow and just so cool all the time. I mean, all the time. It's pretty awesome. Someone's got to be. I know. (laughs) And speaking of someone's got to be, next to him, we've got the one and only Diego Stucco. Hey, Mike. Good to be here again. Good to see you, man. It's been a while. I was, uh, you know, thinking (laughs) about stuff. Keeping uh, my mind very uh, busy. Yeah, well, knowing the mad scientist that you are, it, I forget about society sometimes. <laughs> you know, and then oh, there's people out there. <laughs> and uh, and finally joining us from somewhere in the good old U.S. of A., Mister, I'm out and about again. The Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Mister Rob Arbiter. Hello, everybody. Hello, Mike. Hey, Rob. Uh, okay, where are you from? Where, where is it today? Uh, let me see if I can find a uh, phone book. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I'm in beautiful Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Actually, in the suburbs of Philly, but uh, I was going to be traveling tonight to New York, and I ended up postponing till tomorrow so I could be with you guys tonight. See that? So he doesn't break his streak. This is- I mean, it, it is not the one and only for no reason. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Show 163, and Rob's been to all of them. Wow. All of them. As you have. Yeah, I mean, I called in on one, but it was for about two seconds. I mean, he was, he was actually there. He's actually participated. So. We're in the parking lot, basically. Yeah. I was actually I was on vacation, and I was like, on vacation. And then Rob took over hosting uh-huh. duties, did a much better job. And I said, there's no way I'm going to ever let him do that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is how you, you encourage talent. That's right. <laughs> Was that year one? Was that our first year? I don't remember. That when. was our first year. It was like show number 11, I think, or something like that. He still remembers it, so it still burns. Yeah, <laughs> so, it kind of hurts. It was that well, show. I remember how much work it is, and it made me appreciate what Mike does more, because it's not easy to host a show like this. <laughs> well, that's too kind. But he still was better. Anyhow, <laughs> and joining us today, we are honored to have a really great guest, Joining us, Mr. Dennis Moody. Dennis. How are you doing? Hey, nice Dennis. See you guys. Bobby, why don't you introduce Dennis and tell a little bit of his background? Because he's a really good friend of you. And Dennis, I mean, Bobby got us the guest. Dennis and I are old friends. We go way, way back. We've worked together quite a lot on, on a lot of albums in a lot of different places. And uh, he's one of my all-time favorite engineers. Uh, terrific engineer in the studio, Dynamite Ears. He's the engineer to the... Drumming stars. <laughs> when guys like Steve Gadd and Dave Weckl and um, Ricky Lawson, the, or just departed Ricky Lawson, right. and, and guys like that, when they want a great drum sound, they call Dennis. But not only that, Dennis is unique because he also does live sound, but he does it on a massive arena scale as well. And there's not many people that can go back and forth between the studio and live. And Dennis is one of those guys that does it and does it really well. Yeah, Dennis, you're, I think you're our first live sound guy. And, and that's one of the biggest requests we get really? on okay. the podcast from our listeners. It's like, can you get a live sound guy out there? Can you get a live sound? And it's like, 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like some of guys. Uh, and the ones that I do know are usually out and about. So it's great I to have you. I just got back from yeah. out and about. That's going you know, you know out and about. That is the uh, that's that's yeah. the life sound, right? You're either yeah. coming or going. You're um, always in a state of. Who did you just finish uh, working well, with? Right? I did four back to back. One Mike Stern, Dave Weckel in South America, which was my first time that far down. It was fantastic. Then wow. I was, Back 12 hours, I went to Montreal with the Persian superstar Gugush and did a show for her in a rather large venue. Wow. Left there, went straight to Italy, Milano. There you go. That's right. (laughs) Started with um, uh, Mike Stern, uh, Randy Brecker, and Steve Smith, the drummer, ex-Journey drummer, who's now a jazz, uh, incredible jazz drummer. And we did that tour. and then I had two days off and started Dave Weckl's acoustic band tour. Wow. Dakota Ozoni, Tom Kennedy, and Gary Meek. And we did a month. And these are all one-nighters and mostly fly dates. So wow. We, wow. We, what we call no sleep yeah. <laughs> tour for about three months. Wow. wow. You wow. look pretty good considering. You do. <laughs> Not bad. I'm only 27. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they can't see. This is radio. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. That was a lot of fun, but it's it definitely took its toll on me. Wow, that's awesome. This was a harder one. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing how sometimes, especially in the U.S., you get caught up with tours as only pop tours. You only think of pop bands and pop acts and things like that. But you know, the rest of the world, you know, there's there's big tours of of jazz and there's Mm -hmm. big tours of of instrumentals and i mean there's just a lot of music opportunities um in other places and big crowds too well how about the you did a lot of broadway style shows in germany yes for a long time i had i built i don't know if a lot of people aren't aware of this but sonora recorders richard barron's place i Mm -hmm. built that wow and guess who my first client was who Bobby Osinski. Really? Yep. Did he get a discount? (laughs) (laughs) I had to pay people to get him in. (laughs) No, but he was on my first client. Seriously. That's the very first client at Sonora Recorders. That's pretty awesome. And and, uh, I sold that to Richard after three years of hell. I just didn't. Owning a a big studio in those days was was rough. Have, Have you been doing any work at the Arena di Verona? The the live amphitheater outside the I was just curious I to know if you don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Some, I was just curious uh, if if doing it in a public space outside like that I, is particularly. We do them always in. Uh, we do all the time in in the plazas in the middle of the city. Oh, okay. They'll put up a stage and there'll be twenty thousand. We did one in. Um, I don't think. I can't remember the city. I'm sorry because mm-hmm. they're, they're uh, yeah. There's quite a lot in it. <laughs> they're small. We did one or. 50,000 people there. Wow. 50,000 people. First day of a tour with Mike Stern and Bill Evans on sax, Tom wow. Kennedy. Wow. I don't remember who the drummer was on that. Maybe it was Weckl. And uh, the first time, so you don't know what the band, these, they don't rehearse. They don't rehearse. Right. They want it fresh. They want it jazz. They want it to be spontaneous. Wow. Yeah. So here we are, it's 50,000 people out there, and I just go, okay, what's his bass sound like? <laughs> what's his sax sound like? Uh, let me say, you know, no hopefully, sound check. Uh, hopefully you'll figure out in the first two sound nanoseconds. On, <laughs> sound check it on headphones. <laughs> Up and go. You know, wow. You know what's amazing with live sound? That, you know, you work in a studio, you pretty much know what kind of controlled environment you're going to get, yes. right? Even if you go True. from studio to studio, they all sound different, but yet... 
guess what? They all kind of sound the same. They all kind of yeah. have. But live sound guys, you just never know where they're going to put up a stage. You never know where they're going to put up an arena. Gosh, I remember you have with, an audience there. Or, right. the, or what kind of sound system you're going to yeah, have. And, and not only that, but exactly what Diego was saying, you sound check without the audience, and then the audience gets there. I mean, <laughs> that would be like uh, starting to mix an album, well, and then halfway through, they start putting up, you know, baffling. <laughs> there is... Uh, I can tell now. You can look at the floor and the seats and see how the room is going to change. You can, if it's if it's wooden seats with no padding, you right. know when the house is going to come in. If it's carpeted, uh, you know you're screwed. What, if it's <laughs> wow. you know, what you get is at soundcheck is is um, is uh, what you're going to get at the show within reason. Right. You might soak up some volume, but uh, it. Uh, example: I work with the Persian artist Gugush, and we played at the. Um, David Symphony Hall in San mm-hmm. Francisco, and I said, "Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a symphonic hall, acoustic." And I said, "Okay, sound check is right." I couldn't get her vocal over the band. You hmm. know, I just couldn't do it. And I go, "Well, when the people come in here, they'll absorb it, and I'll have some room, so I'm not going to worry about the feedback." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oops. <laughs> and then you have a place like Wembley Arena, which right. we also did right before Christmas last year. And when the a little live, you guys, a little live people, it's like mixing in the studio. That really, is the most nicest room for w- me. Wembley so, like gets all gets dead. Incredible! It really? just has a perfect sound. Wow, it was that's like amazing. No, in the I, studio. I should mention that uh, I, I didn't quite realize this. Gagush is the. Iranian version, the Persian version of Barbara Streisand. She's oh, that big. Wow. And she sometimes tours with the guy that's basically the Elvis. Ebby uh, is his name. Ebby. Wow. So um, Dennis invited me to, um, where is it, Honda the Honda Arena? Center. Honda Sold Center. Out. Sold out. 20,000 people. Uh, just unbelievable, you know? Uh, and they can't get enough. Of these artists, so didn't you say the Staples? Yeah, they did like three nights in a row or something. Two. Two. That's before my I, my time when but she first came. It out, just yeah. goes to show you yeah. there are artists that people aren't aware of. Oh yeah, yeah. that are these huge draws. Oh yeah, no, that's that's so true. Eros Ramazzotti. Well, it's huge. Go. I mean, I don't know if it's still huge in Italy, but it's it, yeah. yeah. Um, Here. How, how does Honda Center <laughs> yeah, yeah. compare? Because that's that's I, that that's, was rough for me. And there you go. Uh, <laughs> this is what you never know what you're going to get. You go into a venue and you and I had to contract the sound on it. Okay, we went in. I went down there three or four times and looked because we were doing our own production there. Right. And I ordered the sound Antium from from uh, Alhambra. Great guys, Martin and Clark, and the guys I've known forever. And okay, we're going to fix you up. Okay, what happened? I come in, I go, why are there people sitting up there? Well, we sold, we had such a demand, we opened up those two sections on the, the very side. Top, the very top, the top, the side. And I go, but there's no PA there's up no there. <laughs> up there. You, you told me those seats were blocked. No, we opened them up. And this happens constantly. Wow. We're in, in, in the biggest, first time I really started checking on that was in Dubai. Is one of the earlier shows I did with her. People just coming down from the, we can't hear now. It's impossible. So I walk to the side, and you walk three feet with the line arrays, and the sound just stops. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that- Wait a minute. So I checked this, and the next time we went to Dubai, I was on them. I tell you, we had five days set up. Five wow. days. Wow. And it was perfect. Well, though. let me ask you a question. You bring up line arrays. 
in the old days when we when we all started, we were talking about radial horns that were big that would cover a lot more area. You know, sixty or ninety degrees. Now I have line arrays where it, it you know, it's very very narrow. And you suffer because of that. And, and I don't think they sound as good right, really, that I remember. Really quick, why don't you explain what a line array is? It's a directional loudspeaker box, essentially. And it gives you the ability to pile a bunch of them together to get more level. And you can also put them side by side to get fan uh, them out. to fan them out fan as well. Uh, the problem is, you know, and again, we're talking in, in the old days when we used to use horn-based PAs that you kind of automatically had uh, a wide directionality. Right, a coverage, a good coverage. Good coverage, right. yeah. yeah. But nowadays it's really focused, right? Because if you just want more coverage, basically you just add more arrays because well, they're usually lined down. You there's know? a positive and a negative to that. The, first of all, if you're sitting in the front row and you're seeing a singer... 10 feet in front of you, 4 feet up on the stage in these big halls, and right. you're hearing the sound coming from 35, 40 feet above their mouth. You go, wait, this doesn't seem right. So I, I use um, front fills now. And they usually, here's an example, um, at the um, um, Nokia downtown. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, the first time I went in there with, with Gugush, they had four... F- I went in early. It's right by where I live, and I said I need some more coverage in the front. You know, we need to put these. And I went in. It said, "Okay, we'll get it." I went in for sound check. That no, we. Our guy said you don't need that, and I go, "I do. If you need it after sound check, we'll put it up." And I, I said, "Okay." They convinced me to let their guy make the call, and boy, is that a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so. Next time I went in there, I ordered nine. Yeah. Wow. Nine of them. They had four. I ordered nine. And they go, that's overkill. And by the end of the show, the guy was saying, I think I'm going to do that now. Yeah. Every yep. time. So w- w- is it line array cabinets across line the front? Cab- okay, much. so it's the same ones that you're flying then? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, okay. Pretty much so, yeah. Now, when you mix a big show like that, you're mixing uh, mono? You're mixing stereo? I do a little stereo, but I've... I, I put my front fills in mono, and they're on an aug send, and I'll put the whole band up about uh, 1 o'clock, and then I'll take the vocals and put them up about 3 o'clock, all in post, so they follow me. Right. And when I walk, during soundcheck, I'll walk in front of the stage, mm-hmm. sit in the front row, and I'll have them adjust the level to her voice gotcha. at soundcheck. And then the rest of the band kind of follows in. It's I don't know where I came up with that formula, but it works. Hmm. And... Um, I've been doing a lot tighter mixing now because you get people off to the side. If I have side fills or um, side hangs, um, I always put those in mono so the people on the side can hear everything. I I used to like, I used to complain when I was a kid, I'd go to a concert and it's, where's the the spread on the sound? It's all mono. And now now mixing, I pretty much straight ahead. Even with, uh, like, for example, with Steve Smith on his drums, I put him... And I use a kick, snare, and three overheads with him. And I have them all pretty much mono. Is it easier or harder to mix in mono? Um, it's, I think it's easier, actually, for me. Okay. It's easier, and it's more accurate. The, the only lighter. reason why I bring that up is uh, the old classic engineers, the Ken Scotts and those guys. Phil Spector. 
if if you talk no but the the point is if you talk to them they'll always tell you that they thought that the mono mixes were a lot more difficult than really? the stereo mixes and they always took much more time doing the mono mixes back in the day I, you know funny. i worked on a on a phil specter documentary mm-hmm. and they wanted it mixed to mono because obviously that was phil specter's yeah, yeah, thing yeah. and uh and the funny thing was is the document never the documentary never never got released because after they finished filming it and editing it and mixing it, Phil wouldn't sign off. <laughs> and I know why, because he didn't look positive the whole time. He saw that there was some flaws in there. But having said that, they wanted me to mix it in mono. It was actually pretty difficult to mix it in mono really? for post production. I find it completely but, opposite. Yeah, it's but um, but that's because you're good. That's <laughs> 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 no, funny. I did a show for Robert Lamb, the guy from Chicago, right. Right, over at the Knitting Factory, yeah. and and I had the guitar. Like I had a stereo guitar rig, and I put it hard right, and they did the. That uh, one real rocker with the guitar, da 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 da. What? Oh, twenty five or six to four. Yes, yeah. and and I made a board tape of it. I go, wow, it sounds like a CD. This is great. They're gonna love this. And then that guitar came in, and it was about twenty dB loud. You Ouch! Know? Because I didn't hear it in the middle. So right. I don't know why. I always and in the studio, I always check my mixes in mono. Yeah. And a mono or a tone, and put the voice just in the right spot, lift it up a dB, and there's my mix. And when you put mm. it in stereo, it sounds incredible. Yeah, well, yeah. We're going to yeah. have to – I just found, for me, it was hard to think in mono because I'm uh, so used to mixing really? in stereo. Well, but so you do you a lot that. of stuff for films and TV. It has to be right. mono compatible. Right, but, yeah. you, but on think about it, a whole mix for a post-production, everything in mono, your yeah. music, the whole thing. I just, I'm just used to having a spread. I'm used to knowing where I can put my music. Wow. I'm used to, you know, it was just, I, I just found it That's not crazy. as easy as I thought it would be I, to I make think, it sound good. I mean, I tried to, um, I mean, I mix in stereo, obviously, because you have two speakers, yeah. but I can't really say I'm done until I check That's everything right. in mono. Right. Because uh, we do, we do. You know what? Uh, but like in post production, especially with the with the timetables that we have to work with, here's how I check it. Mono. I do my mono fold down button. Can I hear everything? Yep. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're good you know, they, they, they wouldn't let us make any adjustments purely on the mono. Now we'll make adjustments on the small stereos. You know, on the small laptop right. speaker. But yeah. Wow. But um, Rob, when you're doing commercials, you're always listening to mono, right? Yeah, I mean, because basically if it works in mono, it's really easy to get it to work in stereo. So, um, but where, where, generally, where, I mean, we'll go back. Where would your mix start? Was this, Would it start from mono or stereo? Uh, it depends. If I'm mixing the music, I usually start it in stereo. If I'm mixing just the overall production where music is just one of the elements and I've got dialogue and everything else, more mono, but... Honestly, I can't say I focus on one more than the other. I'm constantly flipping back and forth between the two. And, and if it's uh, a TV show, we're always having to deliver both anyway. So I'm always you know, checking it in all the different formats we have to deliver it in. But I, I find it's a lot easier to get it to sound good in stereo uh, than mono. Because mono, it's sort of like listening on oratones. You know, they don't lie. They don't, yep. they don't hide yep. any of the flaws. It's all right there. Do you, you still have oratones? I do, but they need to be reconed, and I actually spent a couple hours the other day looking for cones for them. It's not that easy anymore. Yeah, I know. Um, one thing about... You need a- You were going to say something, Rob? I didn't mean to 
cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say you need a time machine because they stopped <laughs> making them. Yeah. A decade, unfortunately. Well, yeah. One thing I was going to say about mono is I do know that as I've done more and more five one mixing, you really, I guess you know, you take away your the your sides, you really concentrate. I, I concentrate a lot more on that center speaker on a lot of things, even like sound effects and things like that, that have to stick in the middle. You know, if you have a character walking in and you have a door open, right? You're not going to have that door open come out as a stereo effect on the side. It's going to be a exactly. model effect coming down the middle. So there is still some, you know, yeah, and sound design, more, you, exactly. you got to check, especially the bass. Cause you, I mean, when you listen to a nice bass and yeah. it's super open, it's like, ah, oh, I like it. And then <laughs> you yeah. have to actually use it. And if you put it back in mono, there might be a gigantic out of phase right there. Yeah. And it all goes out and you go, oops, my bass is gone. No, you're, you're right. And you know what? Mono, it's, as I'm thinking about it, it's like you know, mono plays a really important part in a lot of the audio, whether you think about it or not. You know? Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's there all the time. Just a little trivia. I, I, we're, you're probably thinking the same thing. Dennis and I did one of the first... Actually, two music 5.1 albums way back before there was anything like uh, monitor controllers. We had to, you know, fake everything. There was no uh, pan pots or anything. We had to completely fake it. It was, uh, well, in 1994. 94. 94 95. Yeah. Early 95. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. pretty cool. And we put the voice right there in yeah. the middle of everything. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to totally take advantage of your live sound um, because I get a lot of requests for this. And, and I, I, want to, I want to find out, like, when you're doing your sound check, talk us through what you're, what you're trying to accomplish in your, in your sound check. You know? Everybody kind of has the – everybody, okay, you, know, you do your line check. But when you're actually starting to actually do the sound check and hear in the room, is there a process that you uh, go through without giving us all your secrets? Well, I'll give my secrets because it takes your, the, the mixer's ear to implement that. Exactly. So I can tell yeah. you what I can do and someone else is going to go and do it and say, that didn't work for me. I go, <laughs> well, works for me. <laughs> so I go in and actually it's really funny because I, I, I go in, I have my iPod and I have actually now I've cut it down to two pieces of music. And one's a Radiohead song, and the other's a Peter Gabriel song. One, there you go. Thank you. And I'll tell you <laughs> I why. use Peter Gabriel too for reference. The low end on the Radiohead song is perfect. I won't say what it is because that's my secret. Okay. But I use it all the time. We'll tell. will tell me I'll later. Tell you later. <laughs> and I can get the low end right. So I'll go in and listen to that tune, and then I'll listen to the Peter Gabriel tune, and I'll get the high end adjusted. And then I'll walk around the venue in the larger venue. I'm talking about this right. can be in any venue. This could be in a club. This can be in a uh, um, a larger venue. I go in and I um, I listen and I balance it. Walk around, balance it. I start with the bass drum. I don't know why I force a habit or something. Bass drum. Sometimes I, I'll dial the drums in and then the bass and have them jam for a while. But I start with the bass drum. I don't huh. know why. It shows me where the system level is going to be. You know, if you get that bass drum right and then you, uh, it kind of. Uh, now I see why people say it doesn't work because yes you can start with what element but you have to know how that sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you don't exactly. Know. <laughs> okay, here's an example on the Dave Weckl acoustic band tour I just did. Here's what happened to me on Stern's tour with Randy Brecker and Steve Smith. I take out my iPod, my iPhone. Yeah. Everywhere you go they got the jack. Guy plugs in, I go, "What's that blue stuff on the screen? It looked like 
Levi. It looked like uh, this water bottle here. Mm. It looked like Levi's blue and it was flashing. 48 volts. He put 48 volts oh. through my thing. Ouch! Blew out the amp. Oh. He didn't blow the phone out, thank God, but he blew oh. the amp out. Oh. So first chance I had to go to London when I was in London, they said, oh, we'll give you one. But I go, you have to take everything off here, back it up, and put it back on. And I couldn't do that on my laptop. They say right. you can't do the music or, or the photos without going through some. So I finished the tour, and we had just started. It was our third show. Oh. And we still had another 20 to go. So I just said, well, I know what a piano's supposed to sound like, and I know what Weckl's drums are supposed to sound like. So yep. I just have Dave's tech hit the bass drum. And I test it. Because Weckl has an unusual system. He gives me three. He has a stereo thing that he mm. sets up through his O1V Yamaha, and then he gives me a stereo feed and the bass drum separate. He has two mics that he uses on the bass drum, and he gives me a, a combined feed of those. It, it's easy. It works. I've been with him mm-hmm. 15 years, and this is how it works. Yeah. And, but I have his tech hit the bass drum and I listen and I go wow it's really boomy or whatever I can't right. listen to any music it was hard I can't wow. imagine um, hard. does he set his own mics up then or do you have to do it uh, well he has different drum tech now so yes I had to do it this tour I set up all the mics except for the Tom clip on mics he doesn't want anyone to touch those, which is fine with me. I don't want to touch any of them anyway. <laughs> yeah. Tech did that for Really? Forever. The tech just, His, just... Yeah, he sets up everything, but not It's about the, the drums or the mics? The mics. Oh. They're those Sure 98s, which you can't get anymore. <laughs> I am the opposite. I mean, I abuse mics because when I'm doing sessions or stuff, I just go... <laughs> After I assess the damage, okay. when I'm recording, <laughs> I just have to record. <laughs> no, I just no I, it's, um, they're rare to get those mics. No, I, I can't imagine. Those, so they work really well. So let me let's walk. Okay, so we've we've done the sound check, right? You've mm-hmm. got it there. You've kind of you've tuned it. You've listened. Yeah, you've started kinda, with the bass drum. Right. And, yeah. Right. You you brought the band in. You know, you got the whole thing. Okay. So now. It goes away. Sound check's over, and now we start the show. <laughs> your first song. What? What's your? What's your mental checklist? How do you? What, uh, how do you start that? Do you just like okay? Just let's see what. Let's see, see what we what got. Happens. Now. Yeah. In the bigger halls, it can be really scary sometimes. And the band, when it actually starts to play for real, they play louder. <laughs> true. It's true. What yeah. do you um? Do you? Do you are you a yeah. real active mixer? Well, are you uh, yes, uh, very uh, active, okay. and especially on a vocal like with the singer i have my finger on that fader all the time and the eq yeah writing it constantly just to make sure that that something's not going to get away from you well, you're like you can hear it. If, you, if you're paying the people on her shows the persian singer gugush i work are paying probably the first rows are a thousand bucks a ticket wow they want to hear every syllable of what <laughs> exactly. she's saying in perfect tone so I, I'm writing always on her vocal, and then I know where the musically after doing a song where the little fills are going to be. And well, EQ, what are you writing then? What what like because what, what frequency? I, well, this is a problem. I mean, I I haven't had time to try other mics with it right now. I'm using a 58 flat, not a beta 58. Or I'm mm-hmm. using that, and I'm writing mids, writing lows out. I set up our show the first one with the M7CL, which doesn't have multiband compressor on it. Actually, I believe it does now, the newer software, but I, I want to switch to something a little more modern. 
but um, I'm riding low mids out when she's singing low. It's all muddy and covert, you know. And yeah. then when she's belting it, it's like you know, three k is just killing. Yeah, killing. <laughs> was, of course. And and I thought I had a problem. I saw Chaka Khan in uh, Japan, and I said, "Oh, this poor guy." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, cuts. yeah. He goes, "Yeah, I got everything on her, and it's not. This is how she sings." Is but it's hard. You have to ride EQ, and I kind of know where she's going to do it and pushing the levels up and down, keeping the voice up, you know. And occasionally you'll get someone in the audience who wants to critique it like 30 seconds in, <laughs> you know. And just, <laughs> you know it kind of makes you mad. Uh, let me give tell me a you minute. You know, give me a minute. I'll get it. You guys, I, I do not envy front of house mixers at all because you're in the lion's den. Yeah. You are there yeah. by yourself. With this yeah. thing blaring and everybody's and you know a critic. What? Most people have no clue what's right. going no. on. They, they have no they, clue. They, they think the guy is just moving, uh, just playing with Lego. Turn it up. I'll tell you, if, if the singer's sibilant and, and they start, you know, the Ks, 3Ks, 4Ks, it starts hitting you right in the fore. I mean, yeah. that could just get nasty so fast. Well, I yeah. mean, just so well, fast. Well, something else that can get nasty. Talk to us about subwoofers. Oh, yeah. Well, they're all set now. Most systems are set when you walk in. They're set up for dance music. Kid, kids, you know, the kids sure, stuff. Of course. You know, they have like three subwoofers. I say, take take these down 10 dB. <laughs> <laughs> I listen on my thing. Take yeah. the subs down 10 dB or 5 dB. I can't believe it. I mean, they are that much? 10 dB higher and dance music is already 5 dB. And we're talking 95, yep. no yeah. Five to ten, <laughs> right, right. It just that it's, sucks up a lot of energy that takes away from you know the well, rest I, of the. Yeah, when I order a system, they say, "Well, we can give you three aside." I go, "Just give me two. I don't need it." Yeah. The big halls now they put them across the front, right? And I always look at pictures online to see what other guys are doing, you know. And sometimes I'll put three on each side, kind of yeah, each side, or they'll put them across the middle. But and they'll work if you have front fills. If you don't have front fills and you have a subwoofer there and you're at the front row, miserable, the worst hearing. sound possible. Oh. And that speaker thirty feet above your head. You're I mean, I would be curious to hear just for the sound design effect, but I wouldn't enjoy it as a. Oh, you know, it's interesting. I have to back up a little. Bobby asked me about. I I started talking about Bobby being client at Sonora I, when I sold Sonora. I went to. Germany to for vacation. My brother mm-hmm. was living over there. He was in the army band. He got out and he stayed over there and married and kids. So I was going to go visit him. And when I was in Berlin, I got offered a job mixing a musical. Oh, So this is where you learn about the delay lines and center fills and, and, and things like of this such, you right. know, keeping that voice out yep, there right. and, and stuff. And it's, it really taught me a lot. And I ended up doing Porgy and Bess for mm-hmm. a New York company. We had a 90-piece orchestra and a 65-piece wow. choir and wow. 16 leads yeah. and sound effects. How many inputs were you running? Because well, everybody has their own mic. And I, everybody, <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Really? Uh, in the, we, they always called me when it was a theater 2000 plus. So I would... Where the conductor is, I'd put two mics behind him, so I'd kind of hear it how he yeah. heard it, X Y, but behind him, right? He's uh, he's about five foot two. This guy, real nice guy, he's a really good conductor. New York, this is all New York production, right. but we did it in Europe, as all over Europe. So I'd put two behind him. There's a couple tunes with banjo. There's right. one with the player piano. This is a three hour. It's an opera. Yeah, you know. 
And um, it was, uh, it really taught me a lot. But in the bigger halls, we did one at the Harpfall Arena in Turku, Finland. There are 20,000 people there. And I had uh, about three consoles. Uh, just the strings was 24 channel. And then I had the percussion. Then I had the choir mics. I had um, belt packs, Sennheiser belt packs everywhere, taped up with gaffer's tape all over the set. And it was almost the perfect show, except one guy grabbed the wrong belt pack. Other than that, it was perfect. And it was really, it was the thrill of my life to mix that show. Because you're having to, like, automate all the mutes and mutes, people coming in, coming out. That's, to me, for for a live show, it's, it's, the mixing, obviously, is one thing. But just the coordination of all the mics. You have to learn every... Plus, everybody has a, well, plus the safeties, right? Should the mic go down, you have, you have safeties and, yeah. No. No, we didn't have them. But I, I, the first time I was in Finland with this, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) You've heard the stories about the, uh, putting the light dimmer packs on the where they have an ice hockey rink and then they put plywood over it and then you put the dimmer packs for the lights the generators on the behind the oh stage my God, and they melt and it shuts off the thing so they had like fl- these lights these fluorescent tube work lights over the stage and I had the sound I had when the 8 o'clock news came on it wiped out I had 16 radio mics I had 3 Wow. And thank God they liked me. The crew, I used to hang with them. We had a really nice cast. And they said, just turn them all up. We'll pass them around. We're okay. But I learned. <laughs> I put three uh, 451s across the front and three over the top. And mm-hmm. I got them pretty specific with the scenes in the yeah. musical. It's, it's an opera, actually. Right. And, and I put the scenes... I'd hang them. And I have the lighting guys hang cables, XLRs down for me when they're putting lights up. And I could pick up a scene. Okay, here's an example. You guys shaved heads. You know, these guys from Harlem, they got their shaved heads, and they wear the Sennheiser MK2. And right. The, they wear it on their shirt, and then the woman puts it under her wig. Yeah, and it yeah, comes right. out right in the front. So he's singing, they're hugging, and they're doing this beautiful song, you know, this Gershwin music, and um, they cross. I just turn both mics off and turn the foot mic up. About five feet away from them. There you go. Just crank it and pick up every scene, you know. And, and I figured that out after. Yeah, because you know when when the phase and all. Uh, Unbelievable. No, because you're mixing these kind of shows. You're I not. Know. You're not doing orchestral sounds in the classical way. So no. you you have to bring the percussions up. Yeah. And it's not that easy because no, you're altering. You have the real orchestra that is yeah. playing full full scale, uh-huh. and also ninety piece. Right. So it's not easy at all. No, yeah. I mean, this, believe me, life sound guys, I have so it's much fun. respect. Oh, it's I like, fun, because. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, because, oh man. And in I, Italy, the first, uh, I did an Italian tour with them. We did some shows in some of the smaller halls. Um, we, you know, there were no sound. We do, there might be 500. Right. So we just take that. I'd have a banjo or a play. So I used to go out after the show and drink beers and hang out yep. and go to bed at five in the morning six yeah. in the morning a little hangover i tell the lighting guy hey wake me up at the break and i <laughs> wing of the balcony sleeping and i look up i go wow i look up and he'd be like this nodded out it's all automated on his stuff so yeah. i catch my one sound effect at the end of act one and then i had more action in act yeah. two but you have, it's a three-hour opera and you'd have to learn every line every syllable of course of every person in there and i did 
seven yeah, you should, years. That, that's the difference between live Nine shows away, and yeah. studio. In studio, it's a controlled too. environment. It happens maybe for a full day. Uh, but live, you have to repeat the oh, same performance consistently. It's, it's crazy. L- let's I come back. It. Let's come back to like the the smaller tours with uh, Stern and 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 Weckl and those guys. Do you mix monitors as well from, from, from the front? front? Yep. Yes, I do, and that's that's also can can be fun. And I'm uh, <laughs> a challenging. Yeah, fun. Is, is it fun? That's the right word. You have an acoustic piano. Yeah. And Slash was an acoustic band, upright bass. Yeah. And he had a really good pickup on that. I didn't have any problems with his bass. And drums, but not just drums, Dave Weckl drums, mm-hmm. which are very loud. And an acoustic piano and a B3 next to it. And I took two SM98s, took them off of the clips, put them on coat hanger wire, had my tech, Andre from Sonora, Put rubber sh- shrink wrap around it and made piano mics. Yeah, and they work great. I cut them at <laughs> one fifty, put them looking over the strings, yeah. and they work great. They and I compared them against other. Uh, I shouldn't say the companies, but they were other companies that specialize in piano mics. I know uh, which one with magnets, <laughs> and I love them. When I did some stuff with the Yellow Jackets, I said, "Oh, I got to buy two of these. These are great." And I go, "Wait." I have some of these sitting there, <laughs> so I made my own. Right. And there, I'd get the blue tape from mm-hmm. Home Depot, yep. the paint stuff. And when you put it on a $300,000 Steinway, they don't, there's no residue. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. can tape them on there. Yeah. yeah. And I have some shrink. I put the preamp on, and they just sound great. But they always having trouble. I had a lot of problems getting, I'd get the front how I wanted it, and he'd, our, our sax player Gary Meek would play in the Makoto Zoni, incredible pianist from mm-hmm. Japan, come out. Yes, I like it. Then I'd have to go and do his monitor. Yep. But if I, he goes, it's feeding back at 200. Where do I take it out? I have to use the graphic on him. Wow. Solely. So it was, uh, it was challenging. That was challenging. Because you don't have a parametric for that? Or? Well, on his monitor, but he wanted to hear it. A certain way, so um, I had to kind of make a compromise in the yeah, front yeah, of house, yeah. and it's of this combination of three different front of house monitor and his wedge. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then and, and you get a guy like Bozio, Terry Bozio, who only wants to hear the bass drum. Really? That's it. And that huge kit, he only, I just want to hear the bass drum. Uh, give me a little sax so I can hear. Mm. <laughs> we did the Brecker Brothers heavy metal bebop <laughs> wow. tour. That's awesome. Yeah, a little sax, a little trump, but that's it. I don't need anything. And I was freaking out. Oh, no. He's got that huge. Yeah, yeah. He just wanted the bass drum. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Well, hey, listen, we're going to take a break right now. uh, And then when we come back, we're going to finish talking to you. And then I'm going to talk to you, Diego, about uh, something. And uh, boy, this is amazing, though. I'm really enjoying this. This is fun. So uh, we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to Yachting Outcasts. And uh, before the break, we were talking uh, all things live sound. I- I'll tell you, it's fascinating. Live sound is just a whole different beast. Next time you go see a live show, go to the oh, <laughs> I- house engineer and say thank you. No. And sorry uh, yeah, exactly. for all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that I didn't say thank you. You know, it's funny. Yeah. You know, I've been mixing posts for 20 years now. Um, and then you get people who come up to me all the time and, and uh you know, ask me to, you know, if you want to mix this show or you want to do this or, hey, can you help us out? We're doing this live gig. And yeah, why don't you come mix it for us? And I'm like, I'm like that's like, no, that's like asking a farmer to, you know, go yeah, over and drive plane. a tractor in, yeah. uh, in, uh, in the Indy 500. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just different disciplines. Though I know? would like to say that now that you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I have too much respect. I mean, I've done a little bit of live sound stuff, yeah. and, and let me tell you, Mr. Nick Peck just walked in. There you go. <laughs> hey, Nick. Nick, it is good to see you, man. Oh, it is so good to see you, Mike. Hello, gentlemen, everyone. It's so All good right. to be here. Hey, sorry, sorry, I'm late. I had some, some Cub Scouty stuff I had to do. <laughs> That's okay. Although I will say, you did miss a really good first half on, uh, on live sound. But luckily for you, we're recording it. I will <laughs> to listen to it. Yeah. I will. That's the nice thing about podcasts. That's, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, but um, we were talking about, um, well, Dennis, you guys will we'll introduce you afterwards, but Dennis is just a monster of a mixer. And um, um, what, what I want to talk about on this part is, is less about the live sound, although one thing I, w- I did want to ask you when it comes to um, live sound, do you have any like um, really horrible, horrible horror stories that you were willing to share with us? Uh, absolutely. Well, actually, it's really funny. I did a, a, I went to a little barbecue last night with some friends of mine, and they were one of the first country punk bands. They're called the Hollywood Hillbillies. It was back in the mid-80s. And uh, they, I, I took all their tapes and digitize them so they're trying to get back together and do this thing but they did a show in somewhere big big venue maybe it's a palladium or something the pa went out so the chick just took their her floor monitor and kicked it forward so it was pointing at the audience and i just cranked it up <laughs> and they kept playing they didn't stop yeah i've had whole pas go out whole, that's, that's pretty smart I yeah say. yeah she just did it on the just boom okay go and then uh i've had entire halves of pa go out wow big shows wow. um you have a lot of lines cross especially back in the old days you know back yeah. in the 70s johnny guitar watson was his mixer for years and uh they everything would break oh always break and with digital now you never yeah. know you'd have you'd have boards go out in the middle of shows or uh-huh. Dubai, this one I did with the Persians in Dubai. Um, the monitor guy wanted a certain board, but he didn't really know how to use it. Oh. So I said, did you back that up? He goes, yeah, I got it. You know, we went to eat. We came back. Here's show the started. There's the makeup tape. <laughs> no monitors. Oh. I see him picking the ears. I go, we just did a three and a half, four hour sound check, which was a big one. Front of house, perfect. After the show, one set is about two hours. I go back. Wow, that was a great show. And I found out that there were no monitors. Holy they just smokes. put their voices in the front wedge and got their ears dialed in. He'd lost everything. Ouch. You know why? Because they had a red carpet on the stage, and the people, after sound check, they unplugged the console to plug in a vacuum cleaner oh. to clean, to oh. vacuum the stage. Oh. 
We're talking 9,000 people at this wow. show. I have a picture, actually. I'll show you guys later. <laughs> the venue, you know. And it was, uh, it was amazing. Nothing. But huh. there's stories like that. That's one. One other thing is, what about, have you, you know, do you work with the venue? Do you work with the Yamaha? I mean, what, what, what board do you prefer to work uh, well, with? Well, I've you... been using the M7CL because it's so easy. I mean, it's the easiest board to use. But now there's new ones like the Behringer X32. People go, oh, Behringer. Right. It, it sounds it's a Midas, great. yeah, it's basically, a, yeah. And it's, you can use it, you can learn to use it in five minutes. It's a club in Hollywood that had it, and I thought, oh, I've never seen one of these. Don't go away the house guy you know you panic you don't know how to you know i need to add some eq and it's like you have to type in for 10 minutes to call up the right page for it but then <laughs> this guy i look i go oh i need to do something look he's gone so i look at the board and i go it's so self-explanatory the other one the uh, s6 um <clears throat> the ssl no no um s6 soundcraft oh yeah right super intuitive oh. so easy to use Actually, that one's really easy. And then you have the um, the, the, the digi, digi is uh, really good in the venues. The they're venues. nice sounding, and they're, but you have a screen on the side. You have to look, take your eye off yeah. of what you're doing. Okay, I want to add some EQ. And you have to use a, a, um, a mouse. It's a roller read, yeah. Or something, and I go, wait, they got to figure this out. Because mm-hmm. I really like that board, and I really want to like it. Yeah. More, no, but based but, on the way you work, it totally makes sense that the mixing board is the actual thing. <laughs> Not just a controller. Knob. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Yamaha M7CL people go, sounds like crap. I go, I think my shows sound okay. I use it. <laughs> and then the, now they have the CL5, which is very similar, but I haven't got into it deep enough. I can't get them in a lot of places. Mm. I can't get them in Dubai or mm. Istanbul. I can't get them yet. Wow. So, and. You know, there's so many. The S6 is really good. Digico is all over it. And I, they're pretty easy to use, too. Are systems nowadays, are they mainly active? Is the Are all the, the all arrays? All powered, uh, powered monitor. Yeah, they're all powered now. Well, that's there's good. no amps. Not have very few amps them. now. Uh, um not not in all cases, but it's mostly act, active boxes. So everything's flying. So yep. it's all it's all up yeah. and above. But it's you know they have the controllers. So like when you're using a line array and they they come straight down, you can turn up the top boxes to get the back of the hall, and you can turn down the bottom boxes to, to get the front rows quieter. You know, oh, so you aren't oh. blasting the front row. So you can actually. Uh, Feather them, right? So right. There's actually a, f- a formula for it, but uh, we just do by usually turn them all the way up. Is there a <laughs> is there a, a, communica- a communications protocol for um, for all the arrays, or does each company do it differently? You know, you know I don't tech the system, so okay. I really don't know. You just say, I, "Hey, I want more here. I need more there, it. and I need less <laughs> here." That it, makes sense. Have you used uh, Claire's system at all? I yes, but I'm not. I can't recall where I know it that I have a, a recent one, recent clear system. It's so many, yeah. you know, two hundred and fifty, two hundred shows a year. I don't, yeah, keep track. Well, I mean, in the was it in the last few years? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. 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 Uh-huh. One one last thing. Sure. When you get a feedback ring and it starts, something gets away from you. Do you pretty much know where that's coming from, or are no. you the are you the hot <laughs> tech trying to figure out? Only what? if you're lucky. It's usually <laughs> the vocal or the right. you know the, the uh, especially with acoustic piano. That was, right. that was awful. Uh, that was a hard tour. 
you know you don't know where it's coming from all those mics open no um usually it's the vocal but you don't know if it's coming from their wedge or if it's coming from the front fills or if it's coming from up top you don't really know you mean the top will ring out on you you can get the top if the fronts aren't uh, turned down enough you get feedback through the front i and because i have the front fills i i'm overkill and i put them seven feet apart end to end now people that's ridiculous i go Sit in the front row. You can hear every word perfectly. So I can turn down those front boxes quite a bit. Huh. So I usually don't get it unless she walks too forward, too far forward. Yeah, because, you know, feedback is another issue that you don't necessarily don't normally deal in studio. Oh, I know. Exactly. There's a big That's glass in between yeah. no, you and that. No, you should, you should never hear. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it comes up. But. Something. I, I did um, Eric Idle's. Uh, a show for him. It had all the seven British comedians: um, Billy Connolly, Eddie Izzard, Jane Leaves. Um, oh, it was that Monty Python spinoff thing? Yeah, that, what about yeah. Dick? It's called. And it was a great, it was a great show because it has two meanings. There's a young man named Dick right, in the yeah. show, and then there's the other one. And they kept kind of joke it switched to the other of course, one of course. but I did the first uh, I did the first one they did at the Montalban which used to be Huntington Hartford and it was pretty good but uh, politics somebody else mixed the set the oh. next time they came out when they were over at the um, the place downtown the Orpheum mm. yeah and so I went there uh, Larry Ma our good friend Larry Ma was uh recording it so he come down and go i'll see i want to see it and they had to stop the show twice for feedback Ouch. and i could hear 40 hertz rumbling out of a vocal mic and i go that's a easy fix Just yeah cut yeah it. Why, cut what do you the- need it for i mean yeah. i said well i'm available if you <laughs> <laughs> but my price just R- went up. <laughs> yes exactly yeah you know, I feel sorry, man, when, when there's feedback, especially on a big show. And because, first of all, the audience is starting to look at you. And then, depending on what act you're with, I mean, yeah. sometimes they get. <clears throat> <laughs> yes. And then it's yeah. feedback, it builds up. Oh, yeah. it does. It's like a beast without out of control. That's like your constant nemesis, right? That would be like if you're mixing in the studio and you had this nemesis that at any second would just tackle you. You, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's that bad. It, that it's scary on vocals, that. especially when they mumble, you know, and you have to add, you know, 6, 7 dB at 3K. Yeah. You get the clarity, oh, yeah. just get their voice out, and you go, no, I'm, and, and turn it up. And There's a limit. You know it's going to start squealing. Yeah. And he said, where? Is it here, or do I have another dB? I always check with an the, empty room. The, they should paint the devil's horn on the faders. <laughs> <laughs> you go above this, That's it's right. going to come out. <laughs> it comes. How much do you uh, compress everything? Um, not much at all. Uh, live, but on the voice now, I have to gotta hear every syllable, so mm-hmm. I'm squeezing right. it much harder right. than I normally would for just sonic pleasure. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you bust compress or, or no. do you limit? No. I limit the individual channels. Mm-hmm. I'll do a kick drum and a bass uh, drum, but mm-hmm. not much. Uh, Steve Gad's band take all of them out. Yeah, I know. Mike because Stern. they're good enough. Because they're good enough comp- uh, musicians yeah. that they can handle their own dynamics. That's yeah. Stern. He wants everything gated and compressed. And I go, yeah, I got it, Mike. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> they're here. 
<laughs> What's that red button? Oh, you mean the bypass button. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, last thing before we move on, um, what about when the artists start to get creative and they just take off? Like going places with the microphone or going out into the audience uh, or going places? That happens. You were at the show at the Honda Center with the guys climbing up on the side field, you know, standing in front. Uh, you can get away with it. You can get away with it, um, especially with the 58. You yeah. Know, that you can, it's pretty, they're pretty forgiving. Well, that's pretty forgiving, but um, yeah, it happens. Dennis, that's, it's just so awesome. I yeah. mean, li- live sound is such. I have so much respect for you guys. I really do. It's, it's a show within you know, the show, basically. It's don't, fun. The, yeah. Live sound, and the only guys that get abused more than live sound are monitor engineers. Oh, <laughs> it's like whenever I toured, you just don't want to get too close to the monitor engineer because you don't know if he's going to be there at the end of the tour. Yeah. That's the yeah. hardest, the hardest job in show business. That is the, I think, and the yeah. most just the. Talk about the hot seat, right? They get nobody really hears them, and yet they get the most critique, and they're just under the gun all the time. Good, and they're really great, and I know a couple really great ones. Yeah, I I used to use. Plus, they are on stage, so (laughs) you can point the finger Uh, to them. They are your best friend in front of the eye. So perfect, right? No, that's true too. Well, the thing about monitor guys too is they have that. They have that language, right? They have that language where you're sitting there and the artist will look over and I swear nothing will have happened and the guy goes, okay, and just yeah. makes a bunch of turns. And yeah, he's like, could, yeah. yeah, he just said, can I have a little more vocal and can you put the guitar over to the left a little bit and all this? And, and you're like, where was that? <laughs> he just blinked his eye and then raised his, you know, his eyebrow. Um, but, yeah, um, that's something yeah, else was, monitors. You, you know who was really good at, uh, at taking directions like that was um, – was Larry Dropa? Um, he hmm. mixed for Stevie Wonder, and he Stevie, was I didn't know yeah, that. yeah. He mixed Stevie Wonder's monitors. That's what when he toured with. with talk about having a really pressure gig. It's, it's Larry was, from from API, the, yeah, the okay, president yeah, of API. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah president of API. He mixed uh, Stevie Wonder's monitors, but but he would be where he was set up. Sometimes um, Stevie's back was towards him, right? So it's not like in, you know. So he could just see like just shakes of the head and things like that. Now Larry had a had a microphone that went straight to Stevie, so he could talk back and forth. But they had a really good dynamics, right, Rob? They were like it was like a choreography when they were out there on the road. Yeah, it was a really good system. Yeah, he would uh, and he would feed Stevie the. Um, the crowd mic because we mm-hmm. he would mic the crowd. Front, you're talking about in ears. Yeah, it yeah, was Stevie's okay. in ears. Yeah. So, so um, for instance, you know there'd be people at the table and who'd say something really soft, and Stevie would hear it because Larry would push up the uh, ah. the crowd mic and you know oh we should do this song you know and they'd mm. freak out you know because they didn't think he could hear it. It was pretty funny. Oh. How has in ears changed? Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say, and we had we actually had two mics that fed into Stevie's ears, and Larry would talk to him about the technical stuff, and I would talk to him about like when he was about to fall off the stage and things like that. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> wow. true. That's true. He'd give, Rob would give him all the stage directions. Oh, that's great. The choreography. It was a, very, it was a good system. Yeah, we've used that. We, we've was, used those. He was one of the few artists using it. We're going back a couple decades there it was not nearly in-ear monitors weren't you know seen everywhere the way they are now it was actually pretty cutting edge well speaking of which how has in-ears changed live sound and and especially 
Rob, uh, sorry, we lost you for a second, and, and Bobby had started. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I'm back. Am I back? You, you yeah, are. Yeah, back. you're fine. Yeah, that's good. Okay, sorry. I'm just sitting quietly. <laughs> okay. So uh, how has in-ears changed the dynamic for you as a mixer? For front, it gives, uh, well, you don't have the back of the box if they're too loud. Let's say a vocalist uh, has a front monitor up too loud. I worked for this German singer back in the early 80s, and some of the, the monitor was always louder than the front house on her. I'm not kidding. It was terrible. Of course. And no, she wouldn't allow a compressor on it, had to ride it. Mm. So you'd hear the back of the box, and you don't have that problem now. They, they, and the artists, once they get used to them, as you know, they really like using them. They can really hear themselves clearly, you know. But as with these Persian singers I work with, the guy, Abby, we'd still put four wedges up, sometimes six, and we'd curve them around just in case, you know, he wanted to pull air. But we always turned them off once the show started. We turn them way, way down. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you have phase issues when you have an yeah, in-ear? And, so, and when they're so loud, it just ruins the front. You don't have right. that problem anymore. Um, and with artists that are really used to them and just listen to the right. in-ear, it's, it's really great. Oh, no <laughs> feedback either. And no feedback. feedback. Yeah. No, but that the back of the box sound is the worst. Mm. And the phase, what it does to the front. Exactly. You know, it's like the bass player being too loud, you know, if you give a bass player in ears. With a phaser on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. With a very slow phaser. (laughs) So they're good and they're getting better, you know, ultimate ears. Uh, They're really great, good good people over there, Joanne and they, Joni, sorry, and they they help us get what we need over there. They're, They're good and they're good sounding, good sounding systems. What do you think about, uh, Guitarists who are using speaker simulators instead of full speakers, like Alex Lifeson from Rush, right? So it's well, got it's all a these sound, yeah, you know. and it's not loud. Yeah, it's not loud. Stern is Mike Stern. He's always gets he's the first song. He's always too loud, and then he turns down. And I've actually got fifty-seven. I got feedback off of fifty-seven, one inch from his cone of his speaker that's really he quiet was so quiet i got it to feedback in the front house. a guitar wow. player that actually plays too quiet what, he played too quiet. what <laughs> world is that <laughs> but he turns up that's only a temporary <laughs> problem <laughs> he turns up and he makes up for it that but, is uh, that is crazy. But his last band we did with the one with uh, randy brecker and steve smith it was so he they wouldn't get loud steve smith doesn't play loud Jazz. He plays rocks his ass off, but with the jazz stuff, he plays very dynamically and musically. Right. He doesn't play loud. Keith Carlock, another guy who plays very musically, not too loud, and it's really nice because he can't turn up. He's yeah, just too loud. But for you see, this blend on stage. Those are great musicians because they listen to everybody <laughs> else and, and 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 they they modify what they do. Mm-hmm. To make sure that they fit in they, yeah, and, and yeah. they blend together. I mean, you know why? Because yeah. he, if he's too loud, he can't hear the drum. Yeah. And Weckl plays louder than some of the other guys, you know, and some, there's some that play louder than him. But if he can't hear the cymbal, he has to turn down to hear it. And he adjusts very well. Hmm. It's for him. It's not for my benefit. Right, it's right, for, right. totally for his. Yeah. But uh, he's really good at it. And, and, and um, you know, it, it, it helps. He doesn't use a monitor either, Stern. He doesn't have a monitor. Hmm. 
So it's just, just listening to the acoustic sound on stage. Yep. So they're close, very close. So even with those acts, are you really active in your in your mixing of the uh, of the jazz with the different instruments? Are you like bringing they're things much, in and out? You don't have to as much with them because they all they're kind of listening to each is, other, right? They're kind of jamming. Thing. It's they're they're creating the the vibe. Sometimes you have to turn things up. I, I sometimes I have to bring keyboards down, like a Rhodes. You have to turn it down. Yeah. But, you know, bring it down to make room for a sax solo. You have to, mm-hmm. instead of turning the sax solo up, you bring the stuff that's covering it down. It's really nice with Stern with the trio, with guitar, bass, and drums. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> you, really you know, easy. as you're talking about this, I'm just, it just makes me excited for summer, right? I mean, summer is just a, it's a great time to go to a live show, to see a, see a real band. There's something about seeing a really good band, whether you're at a House of Blues or you're out, you know, at a shed or someplace. It's just, I, it's just, it's, it's just really magical. You know, you get, you get a lot of, um, I remember when I used to tour and we'd get into a city, you know, before our show, I always used to still like to see about getting into a venue and and you know the sheds, especially out in the in the, um, the, the yeah the Midwest or out there or, or like Fiddler's Green and you know some of these really cool sounding places. Uh, it's just live music, you know, with musicians. You know, yeah. it's just you can't beat it. That's and right. it's guys like you that uh, <laughs> that make the magic happen. I try. How much uh, electronic stuff? Do you have to do? Or is anyone playing the tape or, or playing the pre-records? Uh, some are. Um, I haven't. Well, there's a couple artists I do. Actually, now I shouldn't say who they are because they have bands up there and they're supposed yeah, to be playing live. But one <laughs> one is he had to get rid of his band for financial reasons and uh, couldn't afford to bring the band down. Mostly South America, and Mexico. So his whole band now is all playback except the drummer. <laughs> That's it. Wow. Yeah, he doesn't pay him. They just get some good-looking kids up there to strum along. Wow! And the two models, the background singers, which is really funny because we were in Acapulco once and they almost fired the monitor guy because the background singer couldn't hear a monitor properly and he was on tape. <laughs> <laughs> I can't kidding. believe it. Chewed him out. Um, and I a couple acts that use playback. I don't use them on these acts. I do. We don't use them, but. Uh, there are some of the artists that use them for backgrounds now. And Olita oh, Adams, for example, she talks about it. You know, she goes, "Yeah, we have tape running. We have just some background help, but this is a live band." Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has some of her backgrounds on there and some percussion loops and stuff like that. But mostly, it's all <clears throat> it's all live. And you know, done right, so, I, I have no problem with people using you know Pro Tools or some tape playback to kind of augment the sound because it just just makes it fuller. You know? I have a, a friend that actually does that for, um, he specializes in playback. And uh, he goes out mostly with hmm. But he was, just an interesting aside here, he was saying that the only DAW that works for him is Digital Performer. Hmm. And they would have trouble with every other DAW that they use. And, digital, and, and it has something to do with... The, I don't exactly remember, but it was the reaction time um, from the latency. time he hit. There was a latency that was happening, and there was some sort of drift problem that they were having. Oh. And apparently Digital Performer is the only one that worked. And he, he said, you can copy in the tempo? I, I don't know. But apparently what happened was he was, um, he was the only guy that kept on getting work 
because everybody else was using a different DAW right. and it kept on getting fired. Uh, and because he used it, I've had no form. problem with Pro Tools. Yeah. Rob, you were going to say something? Uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, I think I've told this story before, but you know, I did playback, I did it for a bunch of artists, but for Stevie, uh, you know, we were never Millie Vanilli. It was always live on stage, but there would be some backing tracks we would need. But I think I've told the story before. When I started with him, it was an on, on an Otari 16 track. And then eventually we made our way through Synclavier and Fairlight and Pro Tools and all the different systems. We used a Studer Diax. Diax is Studer Diax. Basically experimented with everything. But uh, in the early days, well, the fun thing about Studer Diax is you would hit play and sometimes it would play and sometimes it would say rendering. On the oh, oh, my God. <laughs> but what I was going to say is Stevie always likes to count in the songs and he likes the tracks to be organically a part of the performance. So like, he'd be ready to do part-time lover and he'd go one, two, one, two, three, four. And I remember on the Studer Day Axis, or I'm sorry, on the uh, Studer tape machine in the early, early days, actually the Atari tape machine, sorry, I'm a little tired here. With the Atari 16 track, I would have to hit play on like the third 16th note of beat two for it to be up to speed. And I remember the big breakthrough for, for us was when it was less than a beat from when he'd be counting to when I would hit play and have it start. Uh, oh, time. Yeah, sure. And we never tried digital performer. We got to the point where Pro Tools was fast enough, and that's what we used for the last years I did it. But uh, there was a whole art form to that. If the band wanted to be able to have the track be organically a part of the arrangement, you had to play the track like an instrument. Yep. Yeah, you had to be yeah, perfectly yeah. tight with everybody else. Well, that's back in the day when I was a keyboard tech. Um, Opcode um, Vision Studio Vision, Vi- oh, Studio yeah. Vision oh, yeah, yeah. was awesome for that because you can assign a sequence per key. And so what I did is I made a master playlist and it had all the keys. Each different key was assigned a different song. And what that allowed the music director to do is to change up the set. As the guys want, you can do so it with live so now. Ableton so Live, boom, boom, you can go all over mm. the place, and then you just hit the. All you did was just hit a key, and that triggered the Ableton the Live. Yeah, you have to hold the key down. <laughs> you'll be no, a different. You just, uh, you just hit it. Yeah, you just hit. You would just hit A. You know, like Groove Me would be one another song, and then he whatever song on the playlist, you just poof, and then it goes straight into the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which was which was cool because I also did a tour with the same band back in the days. We had to load sequences off floppies. Oh uh, god! Right. Yeah. So you'd have two computers, and these were Ataris running at the same time, and you'd have to be a song ahead, right? Wow. So as this song was playing one song, yeah. you're loading the other one, right? So you're loading this, fl- and it, they were floppies. These were little 3.5 floppies. So you're going back and forth, and there's no way they could ever, like, switch the switch song because it wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Rob? Well, the other thing that used to be terrifying with Stevie is we'd be playing a song that would have a backing track of some sort, and he'd yell, take it to the bridge, or let's do an extra chorus here, or extra verse for a solo. And so I think I told that story before. I would have the song mapped out, and I would actually have to edit on the fly or like stop real quickly and jump to another section and start it in rhythm uh, so that he never felt tethered to the track. It was funny when he used to do that with an orchestra because the orchestra oh, wasn't nearly as nimble. <laughs> um, if you're really going to use a track in an organic way and not just hit play at the beginning of the show and stop at the end, there's an art form there. It's, yeah. it's kind of tricky. Did you ever have to stop, just stop the playbacks and let them take over live and not pick, I mean, completely just, okay, no playback 
anymore on the song because oh, it's off. Yeah, because also he would do things like he'd get the audience into a chant, and then he would start clapping his hands to get them to speed up. <laughs> and that's one thing Beatles was not going to do. So I would often stop the track as he'd start to speed up. He'd go up into this sort of frenzy tempo, and if he ended up bringing it back to the tempo of the song, I'd start the track up again. Otherwise, I just would never go back to the track. Of course, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, he would dynamically play with tempo and arrangements and everything. And I always felt like the best I could do would be where he just forgot there was even a track playing because it was yeah. so seamless. Yeah. You, you know, depending on your act, too, like I, I worked with one act and the percussion was pretty pretty consistent and we were playing live and one time the singer forgot a verse and we were triggering background vocals and i knew the background vocals were going to come in and they were in a totally different part of the song so all i did was go over to the rack and i turned the volume down i kept the rhythm going because the rhythm was pretty much consistent the whole time although i had to when the band ended, I had to hit stops. <laughs> Everything's, but that you know, little things like that. That's like that's called thinking on your feet. You know, yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. in the middle of the show, yeah. giant crowd. You're like, okay, I'm sure he doesn't want the vocals to come in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of dangerous, but it's kind of fun at the same time. I did one artist with the playbacks, Pro Tools, no problem. But it, it's that you have to. I had in ears, right. so the musical director had a mic, and he would cue me on everything. Mm. And there were stops, you know. And there was like one, two, three, four. I'd hit it on four to right. play, right. and he'd go stop <laughs> before beat one came back around. And you had to pay attention. Oh yeah, it's it's talking about being. Yeah, I don't want that job. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? We are we we're running out of time, so we're gonna uh. have to Diego. We're going to have to... Yeah, we'll do it next time. We're gonna put, yeah, so I'm going to get you back to another yeah. another podcast. And then, Dennis, we're going to have to bring you back to talk about drums and recording drums. Because that, that in and of itself, I don't want to rush it because there's so many questions and people want to talk about. But let me just tell you, it's been a pure joy oh, to hear you. about all this life sound, right? Yeah, yeah. it's been I mean, great. You are, I mean, just, just so you know, on behalf of uh, you know all this... Lifestyle mixes out there. I just want to thank you. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Uh, it's not an easy job, and yeah. and you know the thing about live sound yeah. guys and monitor guys, you know, if if you find a good one, people just tend to latch on and don't let them go. And uh, but you also don't necessarily want to get attached to them because you never know when you're going to get on the bus and their bunk's going to be empty. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's not a it's not an easy life. And if you want to be Let's, let's give us some career advice. If there's some, we have a lot of college students that listen to our podcast. If somebody wants to pursue the live sound uh, track, do you have any advice for them? Well, you have to be completely dedicated. You have no personal life. <laughs> you have uh, uh, you have to be ready to travel. You have to work on no sleep, as you know, no sleep. Um, I was a vegetarian for a few years. Forget that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, Unless you're on Paul McCartney's tour. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The that only one. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. But you really have to dedicate yourself, and you have to be ready to sacrifice. And, and at starting now, I can't, I can't imagine, but I see a lot of guys on you know the bulletin boards online that are starting off, and they're doing pretty good. Also, the, a lot of guys sell themselves short. Some of the guys aren't charging enough out mm-hmm. there. They go, yeah, I got this great tour. I go, you can't be doing that for that. Yeah. You know, charge a little more, you know. Yeah. Don't sell yourself short because it's a hard 
It can be hard. Yeah, it's a hard gig. Yeah. They're they're worth their money. Um, yeah. Let me ask you a question. And I know when when I used to work, there were a couple of these perfect moments where I where I was just. This is why I'm out here on the road because of these perfect <clears throat> moments. Whether it's at a show or something, mm-hmm. you're, I bet Absolutely. you feel like that when you're mixing a show and you know you're in the in the groove and you're like out well, in some great venue. Yeah, yeah there's the, the the best one was that Porgy and Bess opera in Helsinki. You know, twenty thousand people in the big ninety piece orchestra. They actually added four contrabasses for that, so it's ninety four piece wow. orchestra, probably sixty five seventy piece choir and then the 16 leads in the full set 20,000 people perfect sound system I had 10 techs working for me I just had to mix and a chair with wheels on it <laughs> <laughs> was that, was, that was a rush huh? it was, was one of the f- one of those. Awesome. it was one of those moments that one yeah, See, that that's great. what keeps you doing it it's those yeah. moments that get you addicted yeah. you want to you yeah. just chase those moments again yeah yeah, Dennis, thank you so much. So, are you? Uh, are you? Hold on, yeah. Let's awesome. Yeah, that, that was great. Awesome. That Thanks. Awesome. Um, till uh, end of August, I passed on a couple. I didn't want to stay home for a little bit. Nice. Still recuperating. Well, guess what? Next gonna, one's in Southern Turkey on August thirtieth. So we're going to be bringing you, uh, bringing you back if you here. if you want to come back and uh, I'm going to go to Philly and eat a cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Nick, are you uh, you working on anything you can talk about? Um, you... I just well, a couple of things. I just am in the process of switching over to Cubase from Logic, oh. and I'm not sure. Huh? It looks like congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's causing me a lot of pain right now. I don't know. We'll have to bring it up at at, at another time. So far, it's been. Uh, a little bit on the bumpy side. There are things I like about it, and there are things that I'm utterly confused. It, I don't know. I don't know. Logic has got a lot of really great stuff in it, and so what, it's what, been a little bumpy. What uh, made you do that? Um, because I'm working with a new composer who works exclusively in Cubase. Oh. And so I wanted to switch over so that we would have the same sample <laughs> library, we would have the same stuff, so that I could start working on an orchestral piece and then hand it over to him, and then he would keep going on it. Rob is giving his thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a fan of the Cubase there, Rob? All right. Yeah, I think Logic I think Logic is the most ironically named piece of software. <laughs> Rob, I agree with you. And, I think, <laughs> and there are a lot of people who find it hard to switch away because you've been you've got like Stockholm syndrome. And you've got, like, <laughs> That's it. That's I've been brainwashed uh, by Apple. Hey Rob, as long as we have the connection somewhat good, what are you working on? Are you get, can you tell us anything? Or any news from the misses? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not just sitting here eating bonbons. Things are really busy at the moment, but uh, I guess the main thing I should announce is we found out today the misses are our song has been working its way up the charts. The second single, which is called "You Told Me," uh, we released the video a couple days ago, and it's on YouTube. Uh, and there's a new website up at themisses.com. That's T H E M R S dot com. But uh, we found out today that uh, we are now the number one independent artist on the media base uh, AC radio charts. Oh, that's and cool. And there's a lot of competition nice. there. That's great. And I think, I think you told me is also, uh, we're definitely top 40 on the Billboard adult contemporary charts. I don't know what our uh, number is as of today, but we're in the 20s someplace. 
And it's exciting. I mean, this is, uh, I've worked on lots of other people's successful records, but this is the first one with my name as producer. Nice. Yeah, the chart, so it's really cool. Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. You're going to be uh, back in town in the next couple of weeks, so you can actually join us here? Yeah, yeah. I'll be back in town uh, within a week, hopefully. Cool. Well, looking forward to you. Diego, nice. how yes. about you? You know what? We're going to, we'll, we'll talk next time because I yeah, want to talk no about problem. Omnisphere 2. No problem. That's phenomenal software. And, uh, and, and I know you're all over that. You have a ton of sounds on that. And, uh, and then, um, I know I got, I got a couple of your convolution. Oh, your, uh, uh, the rhythmic convolution. Yeah. Some of your tutorials. Didn't you come out with a new one? I know you came out with your Xperia based CD. Well, the, the well, music. I did that tutorial that is about, uh, using convolution. Um, and it shows you how to create your own impulse responses. Uh, and then I came up with the product that is a set of impulse responses that you can use to process, uh, rhythmic material. So it can be beats, can be percussive instruments, but it works great also on vocals. And, and the main difference between this and, um, uh, a traditional uh, library of impulse responses is that these are, uh, not meant to be reverbs. Gotcha. They're filters to just create. No, they, they, the way, the way I built them, there's a motion in it. So when you apply them to a rhythm, they either alter the sound, but they also add an additional something to rhythm. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that's why I call them rhythmic convolutions. No, they're pretty cool because I, I, you, you sent me a link and I yeah. downloaded. It was, it's pretty awesome. Thanks. Well, well, you know what? If you go to Diego's website, which is uh, diegostocco.com, you can see all these things in the tutorials that he has in the video series. It's pretty phenomenal. I mean, if you want to think of sound on a different level, and this is a different level, um, you got to go there because I, I always learn a ton, especially you know going there. Thanks. And then uh, apparently Bobby's super busy because he's getting a phone call right now. <laughs> phone is blowing up. I'm going to sound design your phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, what are you up to besides being just uber important? <laughs> I wish I had a good comeback for that, but unfortunately I don't. He's so professional, he's got the default ringtone. Right. Uh, I just came back from a very interesting stint as a thought leader at a mini MBA program for musicians at the University of South Carolina, which was very, very cool. So I spent uh, a better part of a week last week down there. Sorry about the iPhone. (laughs) That's that's just awesome. Um, So that was very cool. It was very unique. It was mostly for classical musicians, chamber musicians, Mm. which I don't interface with much, but um, they have uh, the same problems as everybody else, if not more so, because that whole part of the business is about to implode badly, Mm. uh, mostly because the funding for all the orchestras is going away as the... People that fund it die. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's a bad problem. Anyway, the the program was terrific, and and I had a great time. So uh, that was cool. Um, about to launch as a relaunch as of uh, Thursday, the uh, Music Prosperity Breakthrough Course, which is taking your music career to the next level. So that's starting on Thursday in uh, the mixing. Tricks 101 mm-hmm. Mixing Tricks is still going gangbusters. So thank you, everybody out there who's contributed, and I hope you like your tricks. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And also, um, starting uh, the next version of the Music 4.0 book. Wow. Which will have a blog as well? 
Well, the Music 3.0 has the is the blog, and I'm still continuing yeah. on that. But um, yeah, this is going to explain more about where your money goes uh, when it comes to streaming, and I'm going to have complete. <laughs> Complete uh, information. I think that you can't find anywhere else. Oh, that's great! Yeah, it's not going to be just a giant black dot in the middle of the page. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but fifty pages on it. <laughs> well, these are all the in- the income streams, and you know, uh, worldwide as well. Yeah. But one of the things that I hope to do is to impress upon everybody that. Things are going to get better in the music business. They're, oh, good. They're, it's beginning to happen already, and we're going to see much more revenue in the business. Whether it trickles down to the right people right. is another story, but there's going to be a lot more revenue than there has been for quite a while. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Uh, I'm in the middle of mixing the uh, animated series that I'm doing with Fox, but we're kind of wrapping up. Um, so I'm actually going to see daylight at the end of, uh, at the end of this month. Um, I plan on taking a two-week vacation this summer, nice. which will be kind of nice. It's it's what's that? Exactly, <laughs> it's what you're going to be on till August. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, maybe not. You're probably going to be in the studio, right? Yes, um, but um, but yeah. So and then I've got a couple other things lined up for some more series lined up uh, in the fall. But um, really, other than that, I'm working on a couple things that I can't talk about, um, and. Um, you know, one of them is. I can't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, what do you want to say? I was just going to say one of them involves somebody who's not here right now. But, um, but yeah, just some really cool, exciting things that are happening. You're working for the fun. Pope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all the that people, is great. I love his position on climate change. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, hey, listen. If you have any uh, comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio nowcastnetwork.com. And I just want to encourage everybody. You know what? It's summertime, and there's live shows out there. Go see some live music. Go support, you know, whether it's a, a, a orchestra or a concert or something. Just get out of the house. Go, uh, go see some live music. And when you do, just go thank the front of house. Yes. <laughs> or, or shoot them. <laughs> All right. Well, for myself and oh, I got to thank Christy McConville, who's uh, been manning the board this whole time. Thank you, Christy. You're doing a great job. And um, thank you, Christy. And she, she also she she edits the shows too, so that takes a tremendous amount of pressure off me. Um, so uh, go out see some live shows, and uh, for myself and all the guys, we'll see you next time. Woo! Listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>